Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Monster. And uh, Penny, I just have one thing to say to you. Hi, gay. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> gay? Uh, I I could not let the opportunity pass for us to have a, <laughs> a an especially queer episode in June, and uh, so today we're going to take a, a deep dive into another queer icon. And you know, I know you've been waiting for me to talk about this. Oh, I've talk- been so ready. <laughs> we going to talk about Elvira today. Yay! Yeah. As we were getting, like, as we were planning our recording session, I was sitting there and I was like, I bet it's time for Elvira. I think, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> it's really time. It's Christmas. She's like Santa Claus, but she only comes oh. in June and October. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wanted to take a, a, some time to really talk about her story because I find her just immensely fascinating um, because I, I feel like if you don't look deeper into her story it kind of looks like she just sort of stumbled her way into becoming a huge celebrity (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but she is such a smart businesswoman and she uh the more i read about her like she's really manifested a lot of her life in a very like particular way and uh, i think you'll all able to kind of be able to see and connect those dots today as we as we walk through everything with her but yeah i just uh i have a, a great respect for her and it's you know it's cool that she's owned being kind of this uh sex symbol but also Mm -hmm. you know made her bank off of it (laughs) heck yeah yeah i am i am very excited i'm i'm familiar um with her work and her career um but i don't know a whole lot about the backstory so i'm excited to learn well let's get into it yeah so uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, Elvira's real like wallet name is Cassandra Peterson. Mm-hmm. And Cassandra Peterson, uh, I didn't know this, was born on September 17th. So she's a fellow Virgo. Hello. Okay. <laughs> uh, 1951. That's right. She is 70 years old. Hot damn. That beautiful woman. I'm shocked. Um and this, though, I did not know this. I was very excited to learn. But she was born in Manhattan, Kansas, which is only no. about <laughs> an hour and a half from where I live. She's uh, a Midwest goddess. She's a Midwest Virgo. So my dreams can still come true. <laughs> <laughs> I can be Elvira if I want to be. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, th- weird little kansas backstory uh they flooded manhattan on purpose like certain areas of it on purpose to make this like tuttle creek reservoir which my husband and i actually have uh off-roaded there before (laughs) um but yeah they like flooded it out and so people had to like you know not live there anymore (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so her and her family ended up moving to colorado uh, after not too long but i just yeah, I thought that was interesting. She's from my neck of the woods. But um, a little bit about her her childhood years that I think play into kind of the person that she became. First of which, I, I think this is pretty well known, but at two years old, she had a, an incident while her mom was making Easter eggs. And she climbed up on a chair and pulled a pot of boiling water on top of herself. Um, and so she had pretty severe um burns that covered 35 percent of her body and yeah (laughs) um mostly her like neck and shoulders and arms 
and she had to have her skin grafted and spent three months in the hospital. And the reason this kind of ties in is because she attributes this to starting kind of the beginning of her obsession with the macabre. Mm. And she said that she found herself relating to a lot of the old horror movies like Frankenstein and things because she found them comforting because she felt that she was seen as sort of a monster as a child um, and that other kids were either scared of her or like made fun of her disfiguration, which how freaking cruel, but sounds like kids also. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But she also kind of attributes that to then how she started to use comedy because uh, as people made fun of her growing up for her scars and things, she learned that she could beat them to the punch by kind of using self-deprecating humor and things like that um, as kind of her her coping mechanism. But she got very quick and very quippy. Um, And so wow, that's a a shitty way to have your humor developed. Um, It did really play to her strengths in her later years. Uh, Also, as a kid, her mom and her aunt worked, or I I, I didn't quite get clarification from research, either owned or worked at, but I think owned a costume shop. Um, And so she worked there uh, a lot in her youth. She was like her mom's little model a lot for a lot of the costumes. And she would work there around Halloween every year. And she said that she always had the best costumes of any kid in her classes because she had access to the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that made me really happy. Uh, she she notes in one of the interviews I read of her that one of her favorites uh, that she ever did was Barbara Eden for My Dream of Jeannie. Oh, hey. <laughs> which, again, if you recall, <laughs> was one of my favorite uh, costumes as a kid. So that, that made me smile. Um, But she talks about how she always kind of uh, gravitated towards these more um, saucy characters. And she like she did Ginger from Gilligan's Island and and Jeannie and um, that she said she knew uh, that when she grew up, whatever she ended up doing was going to have something to do with being in costume because she loved being in a costume. Um, so, and then kind of the final piece of the puzzle here <laughs> is that you'll also hear her often talk in interviews, uh, she, she, the quote that she was raised by a pack of wild drag queens, <laughs> um, which, you know, I think we can all relate to some, a little bit <laughs> if you're in the queer community. Uh, but she said while they were living in Colorado, um, she had performed and worked at a bar called the Purple Cow in Colorado Springs, and um, that there were a a couple drag queens that kind of took her in. They would put her in, like, female drag, Mm -hmm. and they would, like, do the Supremes and all kinds of stuff, um, which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. But I think this, that, I I did not know that part of her background, and that makes a lot of sense to me, because at at the core of the character, Elvira is drag. I mean, she's... Yeah, yeah, she's right. super draggy. Yeah, it's it's gender performance, it's, it's a caricature, and um, I think that's why, even pre what we know now, the, the gays have always loved her so much. Um, her and Dolly, I think, are the... Uh, <laughs> women in drag women in women drag i guess (laughs) um so then moving kind of into her her teen years like i said we're talking about 
her working with drag queens. She also talks a lot about at the age of 13 and 14 being obsessed with the movie Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this is where it's, it kind of gets interesting where I am also a person. I don't really believe in coincidence. Um, and I think that her story in this particular part of her life is very like interesting that she almost kind of manifested this life for herself. So she eventually moves to Vegas and becomes a showgirl for several years, uh, at what is now the Bellagio. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was, was called pre that, but, um, Sometime during her career in Vegas, around 1968, she met Elvis Presley, and she got like taken to a party backstage, and Elvis really gravitated towards her, um, and they ended up, uh, you know, according to her, talking all night long, having really like deep spiritual kind of metaphysical conversations <laughs> about life and, um. And he was the one who kind of convinced her to move out of Vegas and go to LA. And uh, specifically, she said they like sang together too, that he played some stuff and they they did a duet and that he told her like, you know, we just sang together. Like, you've got a nice voice. You're clearly talented. Like, if you want to make it in show business, you have to get out of Vegas. Um, and he told her to like get singing lessons and try to go into singing. Um and this is so funny. She was 17 at this point, um, working as a showgirl. And he told her that when she was 24 or 25, she would be too old to dance. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Which, oh my God, that's, that's showbiz, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, but that, yeah, he would kind of encourage her to start thinking about what other career paths she could have to stay in show business. And she really took that to heart. Um, so eventually she ends up leaving Vegas. <laughs> I This was new information to me. She spent some time in Italy. And oh. specifically while in Italy was the front woman of two rock bands. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, but then uh, eventually she kind of works her way back to the states she lives in new york for a bit um doesn't have a good time there and eventually yeah. ends up in la um now she didn't have a ton of success at first she had a few bit parts here and there in films um again weird connections in 1980 apparently she was almost cast as ginger grant in the revival of gilligan's island <laughs> which I thought was really uh, cute and interesting with her, her love of her as a kid too. Yeah. Full circle. Uh, yeah. But uh, that ended up not, not coming to fruition. And so at that point she was kind of getting ready to throw in the towel and stop acting. And she went into advertising and started working as a secretary. And uh, she did, however, keep her agent. And she was kind of like hoping, you know, well, maybe at some point, like, I'll, I'll get some kind of break still, but she's working on a secretary in an advertising office at this point. Uh, and then in 1981, KHJTV was looking for a new horror host. Their mm-hmm. horror host uh, of long, a long time. His name was Sinister Seymour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, had unfortunately passed away. And so um, they were, they were looking for someone to take his place 
and uh, a, a brief history for our, our listeners of horror hosts. If you're not familiar, this was a really uh, weird little phenomenon that I love um, that started in the late 50s. And we talked a little bit about this in another episode. I don't remember what it was, but um, basically that in 1957, Screen Gems released the this bundle of all the old universal horror films, like, you know, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, The Mummy, all the goodies, uh, to be syndicated on television. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think we talked about this in the Munsters episode. Yeah. Because this is what brought back kind of mm-hmm. the, the popularization of, of horror on TV. Um, so they called this collection Shock with an exclamation point. Shock. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when they gave it to networks and stuff they they were encouraging them to use a host for broadcasts um and so this kind of shock theater uh style of television becomes popular with you know the the host sitting and talking about the film and um kind of walking through the history kind of the the turner classic movies right like <laughs> yes that type of thing but make it spooky so ratings on this like blew up. People loved the structure of this. Um, 1958, we get a second package released for this same type of theater called Son of Shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the 60s and 70s, we start getting creature features um, built the same way. But this was a lot more uh, science fiction films, British horror films, uh, Japanese monster like Godzilla type films. And actually, the first package included the like first uncut version of Night of the Living Dead as well. <laughs> um, but so, and and of course, oh, this is important. So, of course, the most kind of um, recognizable horror host. I- I'm going to give you one guess. I bet you know who it is. Before is it, it Svanguli? Oh, that's oh, wow. he's my he's my local host. Deep cut. <laughs> We're from I'm a from a Spanguli household. <laughs> wow. uh, uh, probably va- Vampira. It is Vampira. Yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> Look at you go. Hey, I know things about horror hosts. Yeah, that's lit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Vampira at the time uh, was the big like person who kind of put this on the map. For, like mm-hmm. as a, a household thing and uh, that becomes important later so everybody take vampire and just stick her in your pocket <laughs> it please it please admire this this Chekhov's gun above the fireplace yeah exactly <laughs> um so then yeah khj is looking for a horror host but they very specifically are wanting to get a woman's kind of flavor up in mm-hmm. it um because they're kind of hoping for the next vampire so uh, one of the producers had actually seen Cassandra Peterson performing with the Groundlings, um, which if you're not familiar with the Groundlings, they're an improv troupe based out of L.A. They're very uh, they're they're like kind of a breeding ground for great mm-hmm. comedians, uh, especially like a lot of people that are on SNL either start in Groundlings or Upright Citizens Brigade are kind of the two big ones um, or like or Second City type things Mm -hmm. um but actually too at the time that cassandra was in the this cast of the groundlings she was also working with the actor that eventually will become peewee herman um so kind of uh uh, this like i said breeding ground for these great characters uh and cassandra in the groundlings was doing this kind of bimbo valley girl act 
And the producers thought it was really funny, really great. And they were like, well, let's keep the Valley Girl act, but make her goth and like, uh, like make a, a, a bimbo vampire, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they offer her the contract and she ends up getting this segment on local news called Elvira's Movie Macabre. And uh, <laughs> this is where, take, take that gun down off the fireplace. Hey. Her name was going to be Vampira. And they were they were straight up gonna copy paste. Just, just uh, jack that. <laughs> yeah. Which obviously there were issues that came to terms with that very quickly. Um and they Myla Nurmi Nurmi? Nurmi? <laughs> uh, and and Cassandra Peterson have a pretty famous like uh, I don't wanna say feud. Um Myla Nurmi sued Elvira a lot. <laughs> Uh, and Cassandra Peterson was kind of like this could have been really great for both of us I don't know why we couldn't work together but wah wah Um, but anyway things came to very quickly like oh we can't call her vampire so the crew and everyone on the set at the time threw a bunch of random names in a coffee can (laughs) drew one out and it was Elvira so I guess I actually don't know this song surprisingly, but apparently there was a popular song at the time called Elvira. Um, mm. That is like more of a, a yeehaw song. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, and so Peterson was like PO'd about the name choice. Like she was like, I- I'm going to sound like a hick. I don't want that. <laughs> um, but then of course, you know, grew into it, came to love it. But Again, I think this is such an interesting twist of like <laughs> twist of fate. Can we get a bit of Olivia Newton John for every time a weird thing comes up? <laughs> Gotta be a strange twist of fate. <laughs> um, but Elvira is so close to Elvis. It's literally it like Elvis <laughs> and Vampira got smashed together. And I just think again, it's it's so interesting that I think all these little bits kind of line up. Uh, it's too strong to be a coincidence to me. Uh, but so she very quickly becomes a local like LA celebrity doing these, these little horror host bits in the show. And uh, she's, they, she had a large part in developing kind of the, the iconic look of Elvira. She brought like Sharon Tate to the table and mm-hmm. you know, that I, I couldn't find this again when I was researching this time, but I do remember at one point reading something very specific that the reason she wanted um, like the sleeves on the outfit and then the slit is on like her one leg is because they like designed the gown to cover her scars. Um, Because at the time she was still like self-conscious about it. And then she like, you know, became very famous and didn't give a shit anymore Uh, (laughs) but anyway she has a a lot of say so in developing this uh the big black beehive and the gown and all that and gets very popular locally um but then Coors Beer uh reaches out wants to do a campaign with her and this is kind of what skyrockets her to national recognition puts her face out there um, she did a slew of cam- commercials with them um, because Coors <laughs> Coors wanted to call itself the official beer of Halloween, which I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was just gonna say, I was like, what made Coors be like, ah, yes, we're a spooky beer? <laughs> they saw an untapped market. They said, <laughs> you know what holiday people get drunk that nobody's talking well, about? That's fair. <laughs> it was so weird to me, though. Like, never have I ever thought, I don't no, think beer I, I, at all when I think Halloween. <laughs> I mean, I think pumpkin beer. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. I don't, I don't like, think the, the branding didn't really stick. Yeah, like unless you're Woodchuck's pumpkin cider, just stay out of it. <laughs> or that, uh, what's the Sam Adams like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, not Coors, though. No, no, <laughs> not, I, I don't. Generally. Not watered down cat pee. I was going to say, I can't say that I think about Coors much at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you will. Now every time you think of Elvira. Now I'll think about Elvira. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, there was a whole campaign and like it was on TV. There were cardboard cutouts of her in like liquor stores and bars. Um, and she became, you know, very quickly a recognizable face in the United States. But however, <laughs> um, the Coors family, turns out they're very conservative, as a lot mm. of beer families are. Uh, and she... Elvira basically got tired of working with them and broke off the the partnership because they were like, like they're they were calling her like the daughter of Satan and stuff in like public forums <laughs> and like she was like I'm not dealing with this why would I do yeah. this so she breaks that off um, but it did its job and she of course as you can imagine hit a lot of obstacles in general with the characters presentation mm -hmm. um she was actually supposed to have her own cbs show uh that was gonna be like again I, oh i wish it would happen she was gonna it, the, the premise was kind of almost that of the movie the, the mm -hmm. first movie but that she was moving back to kansas to take care of her like witch aunt minerva <laughs> um and she was gonna be living with her like kooky and doing kind of a a situation and i wish i wish we had like that strong kansas elvira tie now but um the network ended up shelving it because they were like well she's too spicy for primetime television so she kind of is hitting these 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 obstacles but then takes some very savvy business moves. And mm. uh, basically she's doing the stuff still for K K KHJ TV. And they're not giving her the pay raises that she deserves. So she starts piecemealing the character, basically. She's like, well, can I have the rights to like all Elvira, um, you know, uh, public appearances? can I have the rights to the name? Can, and just starts slowly, mm -hmm. like, gotta catch just them all. Just away, yeah. <laughs> yeah, starts piecing off the actual rights to the character. And so now, today, uh, Cassandra Peterson owns 100% of the rights to Elvira as a character. Hell um, yeah. So every single thing that comes out in her likeness or has her image on it or anything that references her character, 100% um, of those proceeds go directly into her pocket rather than a network, which is freaking brilliant. There are very, very few uh actors or comedians who own their mm -hmm. character fully yeah that's definitely some boss babe moves mm -hmm. so smart um 
And I, I think this is something she gets kind of, um, what's the word like equated her and Dolly Parton get brought up together a lot because of this. I think that they are both kind of notorious for playing dumb. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Like, and before anyone realizes that they aren't dumb, they're already like out the door with their money. Right. And I think that's so like that. And that's feminism. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You got to do what you got to do. If the people are going to underestimate you, then take advantage of that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And of course, yeah, she's built a 40 year career off of this. uh, Still going strong. She just released her memoir, her autobiography, yours cruelly Elvira last year. And uh, now with that said, Would you like to talk about some gay stuff? Yes, please. (laughs) So uh, even though Elvira obviously was already a huge queer icon for many reasons. Yes. Prior to this, um, our community as a whole took a huge W last year when uh, Elvira came out. I'm calling it came out of the coffin. Yes. In her, uh, her memoir. And she shared with everyone that she has been in a relationship with a woman for the last 19 years. Um, and first of all, woohoo. Secondly, woo-hoo. <laughs> woo-hoo. <laughs> um, but also like, so they kept it a secret for so long because of how Cassandra thought it would affect Elvira's brand, mm-hmm. which a again, like she's a smart businesswoman, but B, it is really sad that she yeah. felt that she had to do that. And um, she did say that she lost eleven thousand followers the day after the news came out, Ugh. which doesn't surprise me because I also think like a lot of her quote fans were people who felt entitled to her sexuality or her, you know like at, at ogling at her more or less mm-hmm. as a, as an object. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, and just like in that, I think like so many people like Elvira have a lot of fans who don't get it. Like, oh no. Like they're they, not in on like, the joke. They do not get that. Like, it's like, this is a character. This is right. like, there, there's, there's wit to this and you are just like, huh, boobs. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> Uh, let's, I'm going to de- get off topic for two seconds. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to no, derail you. No, you're great. I didn't know if I was going to bring this up, but I, I want to now. So a couple days, you know this, because I sent you a very excited picture. Yes. Uh, a couple days ago, a subscriber of mine and a friend, Matt, uh, sent me a signed photo uh, from Elvira that he he met her and, and talked to her about my YouTube channel, which literally makes me want to die in the best way. Like the fact that she even knows I exist as a human makes me want to throw up. Um, <laughs> but I was very excited about this. And uh, through this journey, I basically accidentally came out to my parents for the first time in Oops. 18, 19 years. Uh, and so that we had that conversation. Happy pride. But my dad was very upset about the fact that I aligned so heavily with Elvira. Hmm. Um, and he was like, well, I just I think she's like a softcore porn star. And I don't understand why like why you would admire her so much. And that was kind of this moment that you're talking about where I was like, you're not in on the joke. Yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. don't get it. You don't get it. Um, 
And I really tried to explain it, but he did not understand. And that's, I mean, that's okay. He doesn't have to. Um, but he was really seeing it as, a, he's like, well, I think she demeans women and she sets women back. And it's like, this is what drag is. Like, this is what performance, like gender performance, what she does is so queer in this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that she has been literally capitalizing the hell out of the fact that men were going to sexualize her as a woman in the entertainment industry, whether she had control of it or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she put herself in the driver's seat and made a joke out of it. And then made freaking bank all while being a a badass bisexual, sexually fluid. I don't know. I've seen multiple things call her a lesbian, but she identified as like sexually open. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to claim her bisexual. Uh, It's it's badass. And it's literally the epitome to me of what it means to be queer, like to, to take ownership in that way and to make yourself, you know, not the butt of the joke, but like to to be, people are going to joke about it anyway. You know, people are going to say what they're going to say and she's in control of her narrative, which I think is really friggin' cool. Yeah. And it's like, there's also nothing wrong with knowing that you're hot and rocking it. (laughs) Amen. Like, in case you I, didn't know, Penny and I both know that we're smoking hot. <laughs> we're very I, proud I, of it. I know. I'm I'm just like, I mean, obviously, like, I like the humor and like the drag elements of it are very important. But I'm like, also, they're good boobs. I also like to look at the boobs. And that's yes. fine. Yes. Well, and we this is a topic for a whole other day, right? But it's like, we mm-hmm. have to stop um, assuming women are like sexualizing themselves just because they're big chested <laughs> right yeah. and i mean she does like she puts it on display yeah. but like my shit's on display in li- any top that i wear right unless i wear like a a, a cowl neck sweater <laughs> i know i always i think it was like a tweet that was just like am i showing off my big boobs or do i just have them <laughs> and you are can they tell just... that they're there yeah because exactly. they're big and they exist exactly Uh, and i think (laughs) i think she i mean she's even i mean verbally made that statement many times that like she is an advocate for like women should be able to show whatever they do or do not want to Mm -hmm. anytime they do or don't want to and not be you know made to feel any sort of way about it um it's not there for you (laughs) yeah and um yeah i just i even though, like I said, even though she was already, everything about her was already very gay before. It was very cool, I think, especially for for queer women to like have her on our team. Um, and it's also very cute. She talked uh, talked about how like she met so her partner, Sam Teresa, or that she calls her T. Um, they met at the gym, <laughs> and. Elvira thought that T was a a man. Um, Mm -hmm. She thought that she was like a hot bad boy trainer. And then they ran into each other in the ladies room. (laughs) She was like, oh, interesting. Oh, intriguing. Intrigue. And at the time, Elvira was divorcing from her husband of like 20 years. Um, And then 
T was also getting out of a long-term partnership. And I, I this, this made my heart like, Ugh. um, <laughs> the story is that T like showed up cause they, they became friends and they, they were training together like three times a week and just really hit it off, became really close. And one night T showed up at, Elvira's house with just a trash bag of their stuff mm. and like had been getting out of this relationship had had some some trouble with like being in and out of uh, rehab and things and just like needed needed support and like emotional support um not, I don't yeah I didn't I didn't want that to come off wrong <laughs> <laughs> um and they ended up moving in together and just formed a really beautiful friendship and then Cassandra Peterson was like yeah all of a sudden I realized because she had never been interested in women before um she was like all of a sudden I realized that because she was a woman I had been ignoring the fact that like we had this great chemistry and I really cared about her and I I fell in love with her and like what a what again perfect portrayal of like what I mm-hmm. what I want plastered everywhere about what looking queer looks like like <laughs> because i think it gets so like hyper sexualized a lot of the times like sometimes you just love whoever the hell you love right yep. and i love that there's started out of this as this beautiful friendship and and now they've been together for like almost 20 years so know, congratulations they're, <laughs> they're such a beautiful couple they are they are and yeah it's really um Again, sad but happy. They they've talked a lot about like, so uh, Cassandra introduced T as her assistant for the last like eighteen years. Yeah, and Cassandra was like that. It really sucked because people would just ignore her and like treat her like crap because she was quote my assistant. She's like, I didn't feel good about that, <laughs> and like um they they went on vacation together after they came out and she was like just being able to like walk down the beach and hold hands with my partner was so magical and oh my little gay heart can't take it so good (laughs) but that is kind of a where where we're at in her journey now she is out and proud and amazing she is um another tie monsters she's gonna be in the monsters movie um playing the the real estate agent so that'll be exciting and uh she's also i read today making a documentary about like basically off of the book that she just released as well of her life so that'll be really exciting so yay that is that is a little brief history of our queen of halloween our mistress of the dark miss elvira oh i do have you elvira we do love you so much we love you i do have a a, a, another quick anecdote that has nothing to do with anything before we go speaking of queer icons (laughs) (laughs) uh she was a very good friend with vincent price hey and she tells this hilarious weird story about he had a fish recipe that he taught her (laughs) which i mean as many of you will recall from Penny's episode about Vincent, that he was quite the the food, the foodie, mm-hmm. and had gourmand. cookbooks, uh, the gourmand, yes, um, had really you know good good taste in things. <laughs> so this is why this struck me as so funny. Uh, Cassandra tells this story about how he would 
wrap fish in foil with a bunch of herbs and butter and whatnot, wrap it up, put it in the dishwater, and then do his dishes. And then by the time that he was done doing the dishes, the fish was perfectly steamed. Uh, and she claims that it's like the best the best way to cook fish. Uh, so that's... There you go. <laughs> So celebrate Pride this month. Make some dishwater salmon. Yeah, make some dish salmon. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Ghoul's Night Inn is not responsible for any food-related illness that you incur. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening today. Uh, I was so excited to to talk about Elvira. She's really uh, an amazing person. And like Penny said, we, we love you, Ghoul. If for some reason you found our weird little corner of the internet, we both are... Uh, screaming and crying and throwing up <laughs> yes <laughs> if you would like to see more content from us uh, be sure to follow us over on instagram at ghouls night in pod and if you're really enjoying the podcast which we hope you are uh, go ahead and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts we may just read it right here live on the air Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> And uh, if you're looking for us individually, you can find me across all platforms at Midge Munster. And you can find me at Penny Snark. And until next time, happy Pride Month. <laughs> and <laughs> goodbye. Good